Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with the Slate spoiler special on Fur, the new imaginary biopic about Dion Arbus. Uh, I'm here with Mia Feynman, who's Slate's art critic. Hi, Mia. Hi. And we both saw Fur together the other night and walked out of it with lots of things to say. So let's see if we can recapture some of them here. Um, I wanted to start off, Mia, by saying something. I think we each should say something nice about the movie because of all the reviews I've written recently for Slate, I think this is the movie that I've most thoroughly trashed. And now I'm feeling kind of bad about it. I mean, it's not the worst movie I've seen this year. It just happens to be a really annoying movie. And I think you agree with me on that. But can you come up with, with something something good you can say about the movie? Um, let's see... Uh, but why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, in a way, this ends up being a weakness and not a strength, but it is sort of um, exquisitely shot and looks very beautiful in terms of, I mean, it, mm-hmm. the aesthetic standard that it sets for itself is very high. What that standard is and whether we think it's true to Jan Arbus' photography or career or what we might want this movie to be is another story, but it looks beautiful. Um, Robert Downey Jr.'s costume and makeup were excellent. See, I felt that he was weighed down by his costume and makeup. I don't even know that I'm able to be positive about that. He looks wonderful. To describe his costume, you you compared him to to Jean Marais in Jean Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. Uh, To explain, he has a, uh, his character has a hirsutism disorder. What's it called again? Uh, Hypertrichosis. Hypertrichosis. Yes. Which causes him to be covered in this very soft, (laughs) attractive, brown, wavy fur. Mm -hmm. He sort of looks like he's he's covered in, I don't know, the coat of like a, an Irish wolfhound or something yeah. like that. To me, though, even as lovely as his costume was, it wound up inhibiting the performance of Robert Downey Jr. in the role. I felt that we couldn't see his face. We could see his, only his eyes and that, in a way, the makeup was so perfect that you were always just looking at almost a children's book illustration and not a living body. Yeah, it hampered his acting, but in itself, it was a pretty furry costume. Um, all right, so next question I'm going to ask you is going to draw on your expertise as an art critic and a photography curator yourself and just a knower of Arbus's work. Um, obviously, you know, we don't call on this as a biopic to be slavishly faithful to her life, and I'm actually fine in theory with the idea that this is a fantastical embroidery on her biography, but um, can you talk about what this movie gets wrong and whether it matters whether it gets it wrong about Dan Arbus? Well, the thing that I found completely puzzling about the movie was why turn Arbus's life, which was interesting and filled with all kinds of incident, into a very watered-down story of Beauty and the Beast? Um, Arbus was a prodigy, uh, married Alan Arbus when she was very young. They met each other when she was 14. And all of the beginning parts about their relationship, about her parents' uh, department store and and the connection to furs, the Russics, the store specialized in furs, all of that was drawn from her life. But she never comes across as the kind of artist that she was, which was, you know, a very driven you know, obsessed with her work, uh, you know, full of ideas, extremely articulate. So the portrait is really truly imaginary. Plus, uh, Nicole Kidman bears no physical resemblance to Arbus at all. Arbus was pretty. She was short, dark, Jewish, and kind of earthy, whereas Nicole Kidman is, you know, tall, blonde, extremely thin and ethereal. Nicole Um, Kidman does get brunette hair for the movie. That's about the one concession to Diane Arbus's ethnicity or appearance at all. Um, When you mentioned that the portrait of her as an artist is completely off, can you talk about where that, what kind of artist you see her as in the movie? I mean, how does the movie imagine her art making? Um, It doesn't. That was my biggest problem with the movie, was that it's supposed to be 
a portrait of an artist, but it's a portrait of an artist as a repressed housewife. It only shows her being awakened by her relationship with Lionel, her, her hairy neighbor, but it never shows her coming up with her subjects herself. Um, he just sort of hands her all of these things on a platter. It's like, here, you know, meet my friends, the freaks, you know, and she never photographs them. Uh, she doesn't photograph him even until the end, the very end of the movie, and I guess we can, you know, spoil this a little later on uh, when we're talking about the, the one portrait that she does make. But what was so strange about the movie was that, you know, she's a photographer, and the film, you know, departs radically from her aesthetic, which was very stripped down, stark, straightforward, uh, borrowing from the snapshot aesthetic and from documentary photography, whereas the film is, you know, lush and colorful and, and sensuous, sensuous right? in a way that, that her pictures just weren't. I think that this movie would argue, I mean, to the extent it's making any argument about art at all, that the journey to becoming an artist is this journey through the erotic. It's sort of like this mm -hmm. erotic voyage of discovery or something like that. And in fact, it's only after... Uh, Nicole Kidman, here come some spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, you might want to stop listening now. It's only after Nicole Kidman agrees to uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character's request to shave his entire body. Then the two of them have this night of supposedly wildly passionate sex, and they're in love. And then, well, we'll get, we'll get to what happens in the very end, but then they go off to the beach together. It's only after they make this journey that she's able to conceive of herself as an artist and to start making art. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think both of us just found that a really cringeful supposition, not only about this particular artist, but about, I don't know, about, about women artists in general. I mean, in that way, I say this in my review, too, I think that the movie is smuggling a lot of misogyny in under the Trojan horse of feminism, yeah. essentially. Oh, it's, it's, it's an extremely anti-feminist movie because it really is about Arbus being dominated by Lionel, the the hairy man, I, I, and and it was supposed to be this sort of erotic thing. I found it really disgusting, actually. Also, just the whole fur iconography was so heavy-handed. <laughs> there's the scene at the beginning where there's the fur fashion show, which is all about these people, you know, buying and wearing dead animals. Then there's, there's poodles there's, being groomed. Yeah, Let's count yeah, all the poodles fur. being groomed. Eyebrows being plucked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of depilation. Uh, she shaves her legs. She's there's you know, hair clogging mm -hmm. up the pipes. Yeah, everywhere you look, especially at the beginning of the movie. You're right. The theme of fur is just being really, yeah, really like, heavily Don't forget. Put don't forget. This is a movie about fur. You know. It's, it's... All right. Well, I guess but let's get to the conclusion of the movie, which I found at that point I'd already sort of lost patience with the movie. But there was a moment that I thought the movie was going to be over. And assuming that everyone who's listening to this either doesn't care about spoiling or has seen the movie, I'll just say it. It's when he gives her his parting gift, which is a photography album that's already numbered. It's plate number one, plate number two, mm -hmm. all the way through plate number fifty. And plate number one is the portrait that she took of him. I thought that that shot of you know Robert Downey as Lionel's face was going to be the last shot of the movie, the idea being, and here's the beginning of her film career. But if I remember right, there's kind of a temporal lapse, and then after that, there's a good 10 or 15 minutes more of the movie that's tacked on that is just one of the most solemnly ludicrous endings I've seen to a movie in a long time. There's the suicide sequence. The sui oh, my. Yeah. They go to the beach. Uh, on b Via bicycle. Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, and uh, she's... Oh, Robert Downey Jr. and, uh, and uh, Nicole Kidman, the lovers. Yeah. And she's wearing a, a cape that he's made out of his hair for her. 
yet the, the last sort of fur reference uh, because now this is a this is a fur coat, but it's but it's a bohemian fur coat. It's it's a freakish coat, right? And meanwhile, uh, he himself, Lionel, has no fur at all. He's completely mm-hmm. shaved from the sensuous shaving of the night before. And then, because of a lung disease, a degenerative disease that we learn that he has in the last I don't know ten or fifteen <laughs> minutes of the movie. This reminds me of a great line from a the former Slate critic and my colleague David Edelstein, who once said something about every time anyone coughs in a movie, you know they're going <laughs> to die of a lung disease. <laughs> <laughs> and that happens early on in this yeah. movie. You hear a faint cough, and probably an hour later it's referenced that he's about to die of this lung disease. So he's mm-hmm. got to go drown himself in the ocean, which we then proceed to watch him do in painful detail to the point that I told you after the movie I'm surprised we didn't get a CSI-style close-up of his lungs exploding. <laughs> like, that's the level of detail that we have to see his suicide in. So uh, presumably Nicole then cycles home, and we cut well, to... Well, first she throws herself down into the surf and sort of caresses the water and the beach, uh, you know, in, in this incredibly mournful, melodramatic way that was just too much. There was no restraint in this film. And then we cut to three months later, the movie's still not over, because we have to loop back up with the framing device that the movie started with, which is Diane Arbus at a nudist colony taking mm-hmm. pictures, right? And then the very last scene of the movie, take it away. <laughs> um, well, first I want to say, Arbus did actually photograph a nudist colony, and this is one of the parts of the movie that's taken from her real life. Um, and even uh, some of the shots are very closely based on some of her photographs. Is it true that she had to get naked at the nudist yes, colony? Yes, yes, she did. Um, and, um, you know, and she really she really enjoyed photographing there. Uh, she said it, you know, it was like walking into someone else's dream. It was so bizarre and, and so sordid in a way. So here in the movie, she goes, takes off her clothes, has the camera around her neck, finds a, a young, very attractive young woman sitting on the bench, walks up to her, sits down and the woman says, oh, are you going to take my picture? And, and uh, Arbus says, uh, no, not yet. First, tell me your secret. And it was just so banal. And, and it's sort of picking up on you know, this back and forth between uh, Deanne and, and Alan. But it, the first reaction of anyone would be like, no, get away from me. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not telling you anything. Yeah, there's something really creepy and invasive about that last shot and the way she asks the, the naked girl on the bench for her secret. In fact, as I remember... The naked girl on the bench is delighted by the inquiry and says, first you tell me yours. Mm-hmm. And then very coyly, um, Nicole Kidman responds, okay. And that's yeah. the end of the movie. And both of us sort of walked out thinking, ooh, get away, yeah. naked photographer lady. <laughs> all right, well, we could rant all day about fur, but people have probably gotten the takeaway message that unless you're a big Dan Arbus fan, mm. well, then you might not want to see mm. it either. Who's if the ideal the, audience for this mm, movie, Mia? That, that's a good question. I, I think... People who may have heard of Arbus as the lady who photographs freaks, but anyone who is at all interested in her work, who knows her work, um, will find the movie offensive, I think. And people who have never heard of her, maybe that's who it's for. People who maybe this is their first exposure to to Arbus, and and then maybe they'll be inspired to go look at her pictures and realize how much better they are than the movie about her. So thank you for joining me, Mia. Oh, it's a pleasure. And uh, for Slate.com, this is Dana Stevens.